Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Crucial Conversations Podcast with the Blue Lava Community, where we gather and share expert insights on security program management delivered with, by, and for the most respected security leaders around the world. Together, we'll explore solutions to the most pressing business challenges unique to the careers of CISOs and cybersecurity executives. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. Here we are. Are you, are you following or are you leading? Today, I am following. I'm following you. I, I, I don't know. You follow I'm just, my lead? I'm, I'm going to go blind wherever. You know, I'm taking my, <laughs> taking my risk today. Well, this is, uh, this is uh, try number two. We had some technical difficulties the other day. And uh, perhaps, perhaps it's for the better. We're going to leave... We're going to leave some forest animals behind and uh, and have a good old chat about security leadership today. And everybody's and who knows? What the heck the, the forest maybe, are. maybe some animals will will pick into the conversation anyway. We'll you see. But know. we're not going to leave with that. Well, we're going to leave an animal? with. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. All right. Uh, unless unless there is a pizza in front of you. In that case, I'm not going to touch it. You That's may right. Stay end away. Up biting me. Animal bites it definitely. <laughs> All right, but. Uh, yeah, for those listening and watching, of course, you know you're tuned into a Crucial Conversations uh, podcast here with the Blue Lava community, which is all about supporting each other as security leaders in this crazy world that we live in of, of InfoSec and cybersecurity. And yeah, I think it's for the CISO, by the CISO, and with with the CISO and, and, uh, and their entire team. And I'm thrilled to have a, an amazing guest on. He's been on the show before and... Uh, like to call him a good friend. I don't know if he'll let me, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we <laughs> have Dutch Dutch Schwartz on. Dutch, thanks for being here. Uh, you bet. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you uh, asking me back. So either it was really, really bad, and so it was riveting, <laughs> or or I did an okay job. So no, th- thanks for having me back. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, it's good good stuff. And uh, b- before we get in to uh, the, the, the mix, uh, a few words about uh, you, Dutch, and some of the things you've been up to. Maybe a, a quick view into your journey yeah, into, sure. Uh, into your role. Yeah. So, you know, my current role is a cloud security strategist. It's, it's exactly what it sounds like, right? So I really spend my time with CISOs and to some degree architects, cloudifying, if I can use that word, make it up, uh, cloudifying their acceleration, right? Cloudifying their journey as it relates to security. So that's kind of how I spend my days in terms of how I got here. Um, it's an interesting story. We probably, uh, that's what I, I said this uh, before a few times, but it's almost always an interesting story. I like, especially in our age range of asking people how they get in. So I got in accidentally, which, which seems uh, pretty common uh, from the era. So um, I was a military officer. I transitioned uh, from active duty into the reserves. Uh, I was going back to school, you know, and just looking for a regular job as it were. And I, uh, I got into the, uh, the IT field. I had a friend who had interviewed somewhere. She's like, hey, I think you'd be great for this. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. So I've spent time in network integration and in storage 
embedded computing and a variety of things over the years, uh, which may maybe we'll pull forward and maybe we'll, that will be relevant. But, but in the last decade or so, really in, in the security field, uh, primarily on the, on the vendor side uh, of, the, of the table, and hopefully we're bringing that table closer together, right? So that, that we, we're all sort of pulling in the same direction. But yeah, that's that's my my backdrop. So what I hope to you know provide in conversations is a community, a sense of like connection, right? To other people and perspective, right? Because as, as somebody who's in that kind of role where I'm, I'm working with others, that's what I aim to do, right? Is give perspective, right? So maybe, um, you know, Marco has a question and maybe that's not something that I've seen before, but I can reach out to Sean and say, hey, have you seen this before? And that's a pretty common uh, way to to, um, to go about my week, if that makes sense. A lot of times it's, a, you know, a specific question. And rather than just give sort of my answer or the textbook answer, I try to connect with the rest of the community. And I think that's I know we're going to talk about this later, but that's part of the, the, the power right, of a community like this is that if, if somebody's seen that in their environment, and maybe I haven't, it's super helpful, right, to get that kind of a context. So that, that's what I strive to do. And this is actually part of why we have this conversation, right? Yeah, to put the right. community together. And why do you want to reinvent the wheels all the time? It's fun. Somebody's gone through it, maybe. Right. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to to look at the, the, the journey into the role, especially as, as we start to look at what a leader is. I mean, mm -hmm. my my path into the security space was uh, for a construction company. They asked me to do some encryption on an app that they built. And I'm like, what the heck is that? I did some research, did some coding and, and voila, out came, out came an app. And that, that was my foray into InfoSec um, among other things. And then I guess my point is if, if I'm a security leader, do I have to have that knowledge of encryption to be a good leader in this space? Cause we, many roles can draw upon what is a leader, what is a leader and not really care right. about what job you're doing. But I feel as an industry, we put a certain level of expectation that, that people have a certain level of knowledge, training, sure. even certification. So your, your thoughts on that to kind of kick this off. Yeah. And I think this was a really hot take, like pre pandemic, quite frankly. Right. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a discussion, you know, in the hotel lobby bar and, and at conferences, right. It was pretty hefty, right. You had sort of the, the seven archetypes, if I remember, if I'm remembering that one that came out correctly, and then I, kind of at an individual level, I had more than one conversation with my own CISO, technical CISO, business CISO, you know. And even four years ago, I was saying, I don't know if that's really, I don't know if that's helpful, right? To make it a binary, it's to me anyway. I, I don't find that to be super helpful, and I think it's it's a spectrum, right? The, the point there is there there was a time and place where that that discussion probably was relevant, right? And and part of that is just the maturity of the role and the expectations of a CISO role, right? So historically, uh, the vast majority of CISOs were, and, and many still are, within the CIO IT organization, which makes sense. We grew out of that org, right? But as we started to branch off, um, that's where things, uh, there wasn't a structure there really, right? So even though people had CISO level titles or were de facto CISOs, there wasn't a lot of history there to say, well, what really is this expectation for this, this role, right? And so I think as we move through this great social experiment that we unintendedly had to go into in terms of the pandemic, we, the business itself recognized how critical data and access to data and security was if, if they didn't realize that before. And so what that does is it changes, not in a grandiose way, but it, it puts a, a real spotlight on cybersecurity and, and, and the fact that, that many companies today are really software companies, right? At the heart of where they derive value 
It's the data, the connection that they have with their customers or maybe their supply chain. And, and, and that, and that, so that changes it right to now it, we don't have to sort of make it a, how do we get the board's attention? Uh, we have the board's attention in, in most cases in public companies in America, right? So that changes that. And so commensurate with that change, we have to kind of help that next generation, right? Of CISOs to find that balance, right? Again, I'm not saying it's one or the other. It's, it's a balance. We, we, the three of us start a company tomorrow, you know, does one of us need to be hands-on keyboard? Absolutely. Sean's going to jump back in and practice web 3.0 and whatever the next thing is. And one of us has to do that. Right. But at scale, like a CFO, uh, like a CMO, like other C-level suites, you don't have to have that, that hands-on keyboard skill anymore. You need to know what good looks like, right? You need to know what's, how long does, should it take to do a particular sprint or a project or you're right. So you, you have to have experience, but you don't have to have root access. You don't have to be going in and configuring things. So to me, that's kind of the, the change. I don't know, how does that land with you guys? Well, you know, I, I remember a lot of conversation with Sean where many times we bring the, the sport metaphor, right? You know, in order mm. to be a good trainer, a good coach, do you need to be the best player? Right. Look how well not? that worked for the French uh, coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, absolutely. And, and that's a, yeah, that, no, that's a great analogy, Marco, because I, I don't know the stats, but anecdotally, there have been many phenomenal coaches who they themselves were, were just, they were decent. I mean, decent in the world of professional sports, right? Still yeah, better than, than it. But, but if you look at, at, a, at a Steve Kerr or a Phil Jackson, they were on great teams. They were not the top three or four players at all, right? And so it probably, there's probably a good psychology study in there to say, well, look, if I'm the, the sixth person on the bench or if I'm, you know, somebody who comes in as a reliever for baseball or if I come in towards the last five minutes in a, in a soccer match, maybe I'm watching that and I'm learning in a different way, right? Because I know I'm not the star player, right? And it puts a different lens on that. And I just, I, it, my observation is you tend to think about it differently when you have to study it because you're just maybe not as naturally as, as gifted as some of the other folks. doesn't take away from their stardom and what they bring, but it's a different mentality. You have to be intentional, right? You have to yeah. study. You have to bring a different set of skills. So I don't, what do, Sean, what do you think about that? Well, I'm also thinking, sticking with this, the sports uh, view here, not every player plays every position either, right? Kind of to my point, I my early days I had some encryption. Um, can I remember that now? No. How does that relate to Web3? Mm, I don't know, blockchain, maybe PKI type stuff. There might be some of that in there. Yeah. But Web3 is going to be very, very different, right? So even playing a position at one point doesn't mean I know how the game is played now. Strategies change. Mm -hmm. I've seen in American football changes of how they approach the end zone and, and make it across the line. It looks almost like uh, rugby or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, not, not traditional American football. So I guess things change over time. And I'm wondering how, how we as security leaders then can rally our teams to and support our teams to sure. know what's important to, to keep yeah, So I, I, somebody throw this out. So here's a way of thinking about it. Okay. So people process the technology, right? We've used it for so long, right? That it's kind of just become a de facto. So, uh, so my pop quiz is, so who, who popularized it in, in our world? Do you guys remember who popularized that idea? It was, it was Bruce Schneier. And, oh. Yeah, in 1999. Well, what's interesting is, and he's not that he said he was, but he's not the the, the person who created that idea. The idea actually comes from uh, the 1960s, 
uh, by, from a thing called Levitt's Diamond. Okay, it was an American professor. Over time, he kind of morphed it over the years into what we now know as people processing technology. Bruce, by his own admission in a, in a blog he wrote later, said, the reason I brought that up was at the time it was just tech. Right? He was trying to show a light that we need people in process, right? which was very, if you think about 1990, that totally makes sense. right? Um, so what I would say is, okay, so any kind of mental model, they're super useful, right? We have a common understanding, taxonomy, we can talk about it, we can look at kind of the same lens, and then we get to argue, right? I think that we've outstripped that, right? So I would suggest that in addition to people processes technology, it's leadership, culture, and strategy. It's those three things that actually unlock the, these three things, right? And so leadership, culture, and strategy are absolutely critical, I think, for as we move into this next gen uh, of security leadership, you've got to be able to do those things, right? And culture is the bedrock of how you make those changes while still staying connected to people, right? Uh, leadership, the topic here, and strategy, we can we can we can do another session some other time. But but leadership is critical, and we've come at it from a standpoint of because so many people came up through the ranks, as it were. There's a lot of great grounded stories, and I'm sure Sean, you and Marco, that we, that we have from that, but it's not repeatable, right? It's not scalable. We can't train people that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when when I think of the next generation, what we have to do is we have to help them understand management and leadership are not the same thing. Right. We conflate those two ideas and it, they're not the same. They're, they're, you need both to be clear. But leadership is about people. Right. It's about how I connect with Marco. Do I understand what drives Marco's behavior? Do I figure out how to connect with your values, Marco, and, and help you understand the bigger picture? Management is about process. Right. It's about workflow. You need you need both. Right. But but I could be a leader and not have a title. And I could also be a manager and, and to be candid, not be that great of a leader. And that might be OK. Maybe I'm in a caretaker role where I just need to make sure that everything flows. OK. But leadership is fundamentally different. Right. And there's great models. There's tons of learning out there. But our field is kind of unintentionally lagging because we came up through a technical expertise, 10,000 hours kind of hand on keyboard thing, which has a lot of value. But I would say that we're in an inflection point where now we've got to go, hey, to connect with the business, because we're an enabler of the business, we've really got to understand return on invested capital. We have to understand how, do the, how does the business make money? Where, where's the business headed? And even when I see kind of very forward thinking CISOs, and some of them are here in the Blue Lava community, right? But we have to get the next generation to see that, right? Are the directors of security talking to the directors of finance, right? Are the managers Right, talking to their management peers and logistics. If they're not, we're we're doing them a disservice. Right, we need to start making those connections today. So as they go through their career, they can reach out to Marco, who's in uh, legal. Right, and be like, hey, and we already have a relationship. We have a rapport because we came up together. Right, that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity for the community uh, to help the next generation. What, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I I agree with you 100. percent I think that we could talk about this for a very very long time because again to to go back to what you said you know the the 1990s or you know the origin of this business you know we talk about the first CISO and a conversation we had with him where he mentioned the necessity right. maybe to be having more CISO not just one because you you need different knowledge and I, I would love mm -hmm. to go into this but before we do that I'm thinking like if you it makes sense in a young industry that at the beginning, where do you go? Like, let's sure. go back to, to the football or the sport. Like, at the beginning, who's going to teach? He's going to teach the person that plays. Right. But then when it becomes an NFL, you have 
a coach for defense, a coach for a particular team, you get a coach for another, and you need to understand a lot more things and the business. And to be a leader, what is the thing, on your opinion, and I think you kind of said that, but let's stay there. What, what is that sure. the leader really needs? It needs leadership skills. Yeah. So you have to have, to your point, Marco, right? So we all will start with, you have to have technical competence, right? Whether we're playing, you know, uh, American football or football or, or whatever, right? And so you're right. It's totally a natural outcome to me at that curve, right? We started as technical, of course, and we pull the people along with us as technical. And you're right. You get to a level where, where it shifts is where you have to, you have to scale it, right? That's one of the shifts that you have to be able to do. And you have to engage people emotionally. And I know we don't spend a lot of time on this, right? But you have to, if I can't connect with Sean, right? On what's, here's the why for the team. Here's my why. Here's your, if you can't do that, then you're, you're just going to be an okay leader, right? Leaders have to say, here's the vision of the future. Here's why we are thinking that we're going to go this way. And, and I've got to help that connect to you. Because if it doesn't connect to you, then it's just a job. And that's okay, right? We've all had jobs where I'm just trying to, you know, pay for my groceries and pay for my rent this month. That's okay, right? But over time, you've got to get to a place where Sean feels excited and engaged. Because if you're not excited and engaged, then one of two things will happen. You'll either burn out, right, which we've all seen happen, um, or two, you'll make mistakes of effort. And what I mean by that is that that when you when you don't have a broader perspective and you don't not feeling engaged, then you just don't think about things more broadly, right? Your, your whole focus really narrows, right? And you can see mistakes that people make. It's very common as I look at other high stress places, right? Air traffic controllers, the military where I came from, first responders. That's one of the things that we teach everybody, right? There's some stuff we want you to do just remote, like without thinking, right? Because we know there's simple things you can do. Most of those we do to give yourself breathing room. So now I can think about well, what do I need to do, right? But if I'm not happy, if I'm not engaged, if I'm not inspired, it's very hard to get creative work out of people. It just, you, know, you, you just won't, right? And so that's the piece where I think we can really develop a lot. So as a leader, it's my responsibility to tell you purpose, direction, and to give you mentoring and motivation, right? Why are we doing this? Where are we headed, right? I need to mentor you. And motivation varies depending on your, your structure and your role. And it might, be, it might be a little mentoring, but it might be like removing obstacles for you. It might be saying, hey, Sean, I know you're really great in this area. Let's get you some more training in that area. You know, so the, those to me are the, 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 the fundamentals, right? Purpose, direction, mentoring, and motivation. As a leader, you have to be able to do those regardless of the domain that you're in. That, that's how I, I would think about it. And then, and then uh, reality sits in <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff comes your way. Sure. And it, it, it's some of the other stuff that I want to maybe touch on here for a moment. Yeah. I'm going to take a different analogy. So I'm going to go with uh, music band, marching band, drum major in a parade. <clears throat> Okay. where the, the drum major is leading that band to march a certain way and play the music a certain way to look and sound great, right? And as a good leader, they're bringing everybody together in unison and the right volume and whatever. And then you have, in, in a competition, you have judges, right, that are looking at you. Are, you, are your feet actually in step? Are, is the music at the right pace? Did, did you play at the right time in front of the judge? All these different, I'm not going to go all the different things. Basically, eyes are on you. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just, I've inspired the band and they're playing well. It's, are they playing well and inspiring the audience and the judges to get what they need 
done successfully. And so it brings me to the question of leading the team is one thing, but then managing up also and having eyes on you as you're, as you're being a leader is, is another. And so how, how do we as leaders deal with that? Well, I, I've seen people that I think are doing both sides of that, if you will, right? Both, both parts of that spectrum really well. They are marketing and connecting to the other leaders in the organization, right? And, and it may be a scenario where Marco and I came in and we're new and I'm his deputy C, so we came in and for whatever, it, it, we may initially really need to market and brand who security is and what we do. Maybe there's a latent perception. Maybe they wouldn't even be able to tell you, right? But that's kind of the management by walking around that Marco and I would, would, would probably do those first 30 days. Like, hey, what is the what is the vibe, right? What's the mood here but with cybersecurity? And we kind of know the classic sense of how people perceive that. But you got to go out and kind of talk to the troops, not just our troops, but, but everybody, right? I understand that. But you've got to position security as a business enabler. And the two ways to, to really leverage that are number one is to listen to the other people, like sit with your CFO, sit with counsel, sit with your other key leaders and just say, Hey, like Marco, I don't know a lot about cost accounting. I don't know a lot about it. Can you tell me a little bit how that plays into what we do? Right. And it's just really listening to them and kind of showing some empathy and interest. If you're authentically interested, if I show Marco that I mentioned, he's likely to help, you know, to, to want to help me. Right. So you got to make a connection with the people. And then as time goes on, you have to do to be frankly, kind of make sure that you brand and highlight your team, you know, where you have wins. And then through that, where the people have wins. Right. So let's say we're, we'll pick on, you know, security awareness for a second. When you have something great that happens because Sean notices something and he's an employee in HR and he catches, you know, something, you want to applaud that, right? And whatever that mechanisms are inside your culture, right? Whether it's stickers or icons or every team has different ways of doing that, right? But you've got to highlight that and be like, hey, great job, Sean. Sean's not even a security person. Great job, right? Like you've got to change that mood. And that's back to the culture piece. And there are models that you can use, and there's a ton of them. I, so one that I'm comfortable with is Dr. Kerry Pearlson from MIT um, and Kaman Wong is the, who's their co-author. And they talk about values, attitudes, and beliefs. And I, and I draw this one sometimes and I could go to the whiteboard because it kind of resonates usually with technical people, right? But those are the inputs, values, attitudes, and beliefs, right? And when the outputs is culture, right? So, but those are things that we can use, not because they're levers to pull, but to understand, right? I, I'm not going to change your values, Sean, right? But I should understand what, what do you think is important? That's, that's your value, right? Your attitude is like, how do you like to work, right? Are you more of an introvert? Are you, do you love being in collaboration? Do I need to get you different you know, uh, tools to make sure that you can collaborate? Do you love being off hours and doing it? Yeah, your attitude is important for me to gauge how to resource you. And then your beliefs are what you think is important. Same thing. I can't, I can't change those. But when I'm interviewing in particular, I'm trying to match those up from both sides. No right, right or wrong here, guys, right? But I got to try to match those as best I can. And then as you start to write that culture, like, oh, we need to make some changes, some subtle changes in culture. It's got to be bounded within those things. And I got to come back to and say, hey, Marco, you know, and, and I talked, you and I talked about sports and da, 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 da. And I have to find a way to connect with you. You got to do it with, with your peers. If you're not doing it with your CRO, your CMO, outside counsel as well, that's where I see sometimes people being great kind of internal leaders but maybe that's an area for growth for them as it relates to the business itself. So what, yeah. what do you guys? I go back to what you said at the beginning about sitting at a table and, and getting closer, right? And yeah. bringing in the different perspective because the way I look at that is also what you said is you need to know the why. 
you're doing something. It doesn't matter if you're sharpening a pencil. You need to know that that pencil then has a function and makes mm -hmm. maybe something good in society. You're going to be much happier than somebody say, just sharp that the pencil, the needle, or you know, the division of the, the of the work, and it, it's not the industrial revolution here. We, we need to be inspired, and I feel like every everybody is part of a team, even if even at the at the seed level, you're still part of that team. And you, the, where I'm going there is, you need to communicate, and communication comes with then explaining the why, inspiring giving direction and motivating people. And what I'm trying to go here is, again, communication skill and all of those soft skill that I hate so much, that word and that composition. So tell, tell me more about this soft skill that that I shouldn't be that. They're not that Yeah, soft. no, I love this. Yeah, because we, we've talked about this a bunch of different times, right? So soft skills, the phrase itself, is, as far as I can tell from my research, comes out of a research study done in December of 1972 at the behest of the U.S. Army. So I can uh, take, you know, 1% credit since I was an, an Army officer. But no, kidding aside, uh, they did a, They were doing a study. Um, and, and in that study was the author's name was Dr. Paul Whitmore. And he said soft skills, uh, yeah, I'm paraphrasing here, were, were simply the skills that involve people and paper, okay? Why is it relevant? Well, at the time they were trying to delineate between I'm fixing, you know, a Jeep. I'm actually uh, doing something physical, you know, with with weaponry or, or some kind of system. He was really just trying to delineate those. And he actually goes on to say that they probably need to tighten up the definition, which is deeply ironic. Right. But that's where that phrase comes from. And so they were really just trying to separate it. Even if you put it even in context around the United States. Right. In 1972, I went back and looked at the GDP. Our GDP was primarily mining, manufacturing and agriculture. Right. We're, you know, that that was where we were coming from. So this, the delineation of soft skills was really it was people skills. You could have called it people skills. You just make skills. me think of software and hardware. <laughs> I mean, if we want to look yeah, at the etymology yeah. of words, great. It, yeah, that, it, that's it, a great point. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, we've morphed it into something that, at least as I understand his research, that was not what he was intending to say. Right. right? That, it, that's it wasn't. It wouldn't have it would have landed differently back in 1972 <laughs> versus today, right? But if you know, if you watch it, if you go look at the engram, you can see you know it kind of was popular and then it you know faded out and it became popular again, maybe accidentally or maybe it's 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 relevant, but around agile time, right? So those, that those are popular? firm skills. Yeah, firm skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so those are the areas where I think that you know you mentioned communication, Marco. That's so critical, right? Because again, if I'm great at doing a task. That's awesome. And if I and if that's my wheelhouse and I love doing it, that's cool. Right. But in the same way that in the in American military, if you're going to get promoted, if you're going to lead other people, I have to leave some of that behind. Trust me, it's painful. Like nobody uh, you still want to be the expert. Right. But you have to let go of that because you have to lean into. Look, I have to be able to um, tell you why we're doing this. I have to be able to communicate my vision. I have to be able to inspire you. I have to be able to communicate. Um, as we make adjustments, after we will communicate those adjustments, both left, right, up and down, right? And, and those skills are so critical. And I think there's a recognition, right, with emotional intelligence. And you see more of these things being talked about. Uh, but we have a long way to go because historically, in a formal fashion, we haven't trained these, right? If I look at degree programs are starting to change now, right? But if I look at the degree programs or even certifications, the, the skills, 
they didn't focus on those, right? And so where we are today, we've got to we've got to do better, right, for the next gen of folks. Because um, if you can't communicate that effectively with me and inspire the people, then you know you're gonna it's gonna feel lacking, right? And I think that's where the community can can really help out. Sean, when well, you look at it, I thought I do have a thought, and yeah. it's it's very uh, it's gonna be very pointed and meaningful. No, it's um uh, communication to me sounds very one directional and and i i feel there's a need for conversation and and leading up to this we talked a bit about storytelling yeah uh, which is where you can kind of relate the why we're doing this but then also wrap in there the how and the who and the when and and what ifs and all these other things that come along and we've I don't know how many triangles we've talked about today um, but we, we either have a nine or a 12 pointed uh, uh, triangle at this point when we start to overlay all these different frameworks and, and ideas on top of each other and at one point you you talked about drawing on a whiteboard and I'm wondering let, let's get into some examples here and, and some real concrete advice for the community where something's worked for you where you wasn't a presentation. It wasn't a, a project requirements document. It was a real conversation rooted in story with with people engaging at a whiteboard or wherever it is. Sure. To, to come out with something meaningful that really demonstrates leadership. It, yeah. So let me. I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll do one, and then if that, so we'll see if that one kind of resonates with you. So one that I, I I'm thinking about is <clears throat> I had uh, someone who's a, an ethical hacker. Um, really, really skilled, right? And so I would say sort of that 10,000 hours, you know, mindset, right? Like really, really great in this one, you know, uh, admittedly at his, you know, kind of experience and age level, somewhat narrow area, but really, really strong, really, really technically strong. And when I would spend time with him, I'd watch him, you know, what he was doing in, in service to, we were working with customers. And, you know, at one point I said, you know, can, I need you to, I need you to abstract that. I said, can, can you abstract what you're doing I've seen you do it. I definitely couldn't do it. I, I understand what you're doing, I think, but I need you to abstract that because we need to figure out a way to help move this out, right? Beyond, you know, just, just me and you. And it was a bit of a struggle conversation, right? Because it's like, well, I just, I just do these things. I'm like, no, no, I've, I've watched you, but I need you to, and we, and we kind of was on a Friday and I kind of, you know, try to hit him up on it. I'm like, Hey, look, let's just mess around with it over the weekend. Okay. And pretend that I'm that the person that you're going to tell this to on Monday is smart but ignorant, and I mean the original meaning of ignorant. I mean, in other words, they, they you know they they are able to catch on to new ideas, but they're not they they're not familiar with what you're talking about. And I'm like, so whatever that analogy is, I don't know if it's you know your aunt, your mom, your uncle Fred, uh, but but pretend that and come back to me on Monday and tell me what are the and I don't know what we're going to call them principles, but, but something, you know, let's abstract some things. It doesn't need to be 10. I don't care. You, you tell me it's seven, seven, if it's 13, I don't care, but just abstract those things that you do and come back. And, and we came back and we kind of made a breakthrough. He's like, okay, I think it's these things. Sorry. I didn't land an even number. It's 11. I'm like 11. It is. Let's go with that. Okay. What would that look like? Right. Pretend that we just hired Marco and you're trying to coach him and he doesn't have your background, but he's interested. He's willing to learn where would he go to learn that you know and we were able to just kind of click you know kind of keep double clicking as it were over time and build that out into to a, a process that we documented and we turned that into training that we could use for other people and that was 
all his knowledge, just to include it, but not my knowledge at all. It's his knowledge, right? But it's just trying to coaching him say, hey, how do we take the great stuff that you've learned, but and they'll never be you, but how do I take the lessons from that? And then, you know, as that continued to develop, I said, okay, now I need you to be more, I need you to dive into the business. I, I, I need you to read HBR and MIT. I want you to be able to connect with people. When he was sort of like, well, that's your role. I'm like, right, but I'm not always going to be here. You know, like I need you to do this without me, you know, uh, and at least be a reasonable facsimile of that. Right. So I kind of pushed him into, hey, go check out these podcasts, go read these books. Go do these. And they had nothing to do with what he he was uncomfortable. He would he would he would say that, you know, but to push him that way so that he could then, you know, grow in his career, not to give up or move away from what he really loved doing, but you to, to have an understanding of what it's like to be that other, the business person on that other side of the table and not just sort of geek speak at them, which we all get on our side of the table, but they don't understand. Right. And so, you know, and I hope that helps mature, you know, him move into his career and he's moved on, uh, you know, somewhere else. And I, I hope that it was a good experience. Was that, Sean, does that give you kind of like a, a, a small example, but, but what that looks like? You know, I'm going to take it here, Sean, sorry, but for me, it's very relevant. The fact that this person he had it inside. It just needed to, you know, bring it out. And someone else may have not had it that inside. Some people are spontaneously and naturally, organically more prone to a better communication. I guess if right. you want to do a podcast, you kind of need to have that, right? But it doesn't mean that you cannot learn, but it also means that you need to be desire to, to do that, but you need that basic skill. So if you go to CISO school, right, or whatever it is, sure. and, and all they're asking you to do is test and resolve uh, cybersecurity and engineering and mathematical things, like, you know, not soft, then you're going to lock that skill, mm -hmm. which is the other way around. You know, you may be the great communicator and leader, but you don't know anything about what are you leading, right? What? Right. So I don't know, Sean, does it, Bring well, any bell for you. Yeah. I mean, there, there's two things I want to say for that story. The first is uh, I didn't hear it until almost the end. And I, and I want to get your point on this, uh, Dutch, the why. And it, it kind of connects to my second uh, comment here, which is we kind of hold our industry kind of holds ourselves up as these unicorns that don't, that, that uh, only know where the end of the rainbow is and how to get there and unlock it once we arrive. And so to me, a good leader describes the why, right? So that the, that the action is meaningful, but also in a way that doesn't, or at least the why is greater than the, than the potential risk of that person sharing the code to that, to that uh, pot of gold. So I don't know. It, it, to me, that, that's a leader, right? It's to enable the team in a way that helps the rest of the organization grow, in a way that enables the business to su succeed, even if they've moved on. Right. So, you know, each of those is going to be slightly different, right? So in this case, the individual happened to also have a military background, right? So I'll be sort of general, but I was able to kind of tap into what I knew about his background and what I knew sort of about his personal you know, ambition and things that I knew he I knew he knew felt like these things were values to him. Right. 
And I just had a, some of the conversation, I don't want to say it was not one conversation, more than one conversation. Once, you know, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over watching sport and just kind of continue to say, hey, look, at the end of the day, security does not exist for its own sake. We, we don't, right? And, and we're in danger of thinking that we do. Every domain does this, by the way, right? I mean, you, it's easy, right? Because it's everybody you talk to, everybody we think about, and it's so easy to have, you know, sort of that, that, that echo chamber, right? Where we're only talking about that. But we exist to enable the business to knowingly take the risks that it wants to take and then to manage and mitigate those risks when they become problematic. That's why we exist, right? And so at the heart of it, you have to get back to what's the mission of the organization. And sometimes you have to pull harder because if you're in a commercial enterprise, it may not be as clear, right? It's, way, it's super easy, right? When you're in the military, we're in the defense complex, we're in your public sector, it's easier, right? To say, well, we're critical. And But when you get farther out, if you will, into the commercial sector, you really have to figure out I've got to know that team, right? And go, guys, this is what we're, this is important to us, right? And this is why we need to do it. And there has to be a level of trust there, right? That you've earned over time that they're willing to maybe be uncomfortable and go down a path, kind of like Barco said at the beginning, where, you know, I'm following, you know, and I'm not exactly sure how this is going to play out. And, and that's just something that you, there's an art and a science to the leadership, right? And I could draw the science up on a board, right? There's tons of that. There's still an art to that right? There's an art and a science. And the art is that piece of, well, I tried it this way with Sean and wow, the sports analogy didn't land. Now I'm going to try the music analogy. Okay. That didn't land. Now I'm going to try a cooking analogy, you know, baking is science and, yes. and being, a, and being a cook, right? My mom would say baking is science because if you screw that up, you don't put the baking soda and it doesn't work. Right. Cooking no. is an art, no. right? She's, you know, my mom, I think was very good at both, but I mean, so I would keep going until I find something that would connect with you, Sean. Right. The, and the power of metaphor. I mean, yeah. in storytelling, if we want to go back yeah. to storytelling, the metaphor is what can open the mind for understanding something that you're familiar with. And right. I'd like to start wrapping with, you know, empowering people because that, that's what you're kind of going with. You know, the, the leader can retain all the control. That's why you lead. You choose your team. You empower mm -hmm. your team. You trust your team. So what will be an advice, I don't know, for you, for you to give to somebody that goes into leadership, I don't know, learning how to let go, you know, and trust others? Yeah, that's a great question because there's probably a, more than one answer depending on their background, right? So, but I do want to leave because we talked about this in advance and I was listening to the other conversations, right? So I do want to leave everybody with something concrete, right? So this is a book called FYI, all right? As you can see, I've had it for... I'm embarrassed, Marco. I'm getting I'm getting older, but eight, uh, over 20 years. Okay, and and because of probably the age range I came in, and because I was in the military, I probably saw all the models that you could at the time I did. Right, so I can tell you everything about my Cooter Occupational Survey, my Myers Briggs, TQM. Right, we all lived through all those. Okay, so for me, the reason I there's this and this is. Uh, Volume two, by the way, or the second, the second uh, printing of this, it's since changed. Okay, so I particularly, and you can go find it used. There's no re reason to buy that, you know, for sixty bucks. Go find it for a couple dollars and get the used one. Here's what I like about this: two things. One, the research that it was originally based on, it says that there's not two, to your point, Sean, two axes, but there's three. Okay, and so you have the typical quadrant. Oh, Marco is, you know, more emotive than Dutch is, you know, and so forth. The normal quadrant thing. The key is the Z how good is Marco at connecting with me? 
And that's where this model, I think, is super useful. I've used it over the years. Functionally, what the book is, it's, it's a list of competencies. Okay. Here, let's pick one at random. Conflict management. Okay. What's a competency? Now, we'll go with Dutch's definition because HR people haven't agreed on this. I think there's three levels. There's, there's knowledge. Sean studies the thing, takes a test. He demonstrates knowledge. That's awesome. That's, that's a start. Okay. Then there's a skill. So let's say the knowledge that Sean did was uh, he studied the OAS top 10. Okay. So, and we took a test and we're like, okay, Sean, at least it displayed some desire, Marco, to your point, and it has some level of knowledge. Okay. Then he works in a role where he gets to use that. Okay. So he develops a skill, but a skill is still narrow. It's deep, but it's narrow. He knows how to configure a web application firewall to mitigate the top 10. That's cool. That's valuable. Okay. A competency is an abstract level of that. It's the next layer up because a competency is a skill which transfers from role to role, right? So competencies are drive for results, self-learning, conflict management, dealing with ambiguity. Guys, when we're hiring people, those are the things. Communication skills is one of them. Presentation skills, those are the things. And you can learn that if you are a lifeguard. You can learn that if you worked in a charity. You can learn that if you're a stay-at-home parent. You can learn it, right? It also frees that up. It's not domain specific. So what I would suggest is pick that book up or find another book you know, that, that resonates with you. But I've used that when I had the, the freedom to write job descriptions over the years. I've always included some of those because that allows you to have a different background and for me to connect with Sean if he comes from a totally different field. And if, I, and if in that particular role, conflict management, presentation skills and dealing with ambiguity are super important, Sean can demonstrate that. And maybe he comes from manufacturing. And guess what? If he's got desire, then I can train him. Cybersecurity is not that special, guys. We can, I can, <laughs> if you're interested and willing, then I should be able to train you. And if I can't, then that's on me. That that's that's a me side of the table, right? I have to be able to do that. It doesn't take away from people's passion, their background, the years of experience. So that I'm gonna get all angry emails. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. You, we have to be able to do that. We don't have a shortage of good people. We have a shortage of how we think about bringing people into cybersecurity. That's the shortage. The shortage is a lack of creativity. We should be hiring psychologists. We should be hiring anthropologists. We should be hiring people from social sciences because guess what, guys? Cybersecurity is an interesting field. Okay, There's a lot of room for other people. And if we keep hiring the same backgrounds, we're probably gonna get the same results, right? So we can do better. And so that would be my one takeaway. If you pick up that book, you can go look at a job description and go, God, let me, re let me rewrite this a little bit. Or when I'm interviewing or if I'm, if I'm moving people you know, inside the company, you can use that to help reframe that. And by the way, it tells you what good, good looks like. It tells you what not good looks like. And it gives you some ideas of like, and here's where you should go, you know, if that's an area that you wanna improve on. So I hope is that, hope that was concrete. I know Sean wanted to, Land. I do. I want, yeah, I want to, I think that's perfect Dutch. And I think from my own experience, um, so it's not just bringing people in or moving them around, but in their current role, giving them clear objectives and managing them, leading them <laughs> to right. those objectives. Um, so it's not just in their MBOs and managed by management by objectives that they have configured the WAF for the OWASP top 10 it's also measurements on were you able to communicate the 
the, the value of that in, right. in uh, the team meeting? Were you able to present that? Were you able to resolve a conflict when you turned on a, a configuration and then it broke uh, the retail process or whatever it is, right? right. Those, you have to, uh, my opinion, you have to give clear direction, help them achieve the goal for that direction and measure them and help them help them achieve the measurement that that you've set for them and i uh, to me that's a sign of a good leader as well yeah great stuff yep well this is really cool i mean we could we could probably talk for another few hours pick another corner of the uh 12 point triangle and uh <laughs> and go there um and perhaps we will who knows maybe we'll have have another chat or two with you dutch uh, to dig into some of those other things um but Super insightful conversation today. Definitely some nuggets for folks to to take with them. And of course, uh, as part of the community, they can connect with you, Dutch, and keep the conversation yeah, going there with yeah. you and others that uh, have different or similar experiences. Awesome. Hey, let me leave you guys with a thought or, or, right. a, or an idea. So I listened to the other conversations, and of course, some of the folks I know, right, uh, firsthand. But the last couple of minutes, I listened sort of like the last five minutes of everybody else's. Maybe we should abstract those into a because everybody, you know, you guys do a great job of, I hope, making us all look like we have intelligent and helpful things to say. But at the, those last five or six minutes of every one that I listened to, I actually made a note in my phone. Everybody had some really cool ideas. So maybe we should put those all or start a running. You know, I don't know what the right format is, but that, I think that would be useful because if I'm trying to get up to speed quickly, I'd be like, oh, that thing that Billy Pugh said on this was really great. And the thing that like there's some really great learnings in there. Um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I yeah. think it's an excellent idea. And and yeah. then people maybe get inspired by one of those, uh, I don't know, 10 different abstract and they go and deep into the full conversation. So yeah. that, that's right. that's great. I really appreciate that. So yeah. we're going to actually, Sean, we're going to ask him a couple of minutes to, to tell him the last few points. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the, he gave the advice, but uh, maybe just uh, a thought about the community, if you don't mind, Dutch. Yeah, I think the power of the community is, number one, it lets you know that you're not alone, which which is really important, right? Number two, Marco, you brought it up before. Um, it may just be, this is novel to me because I haven't run into this particular flavor or this version. It's highly likely in a community that somebody else has. But they say, oh, I've seen that in you know multimedia, or I've seen that in manufacturing. And to do that in a safe way that you can in the community is super, super valuable. Otherwise, you're you're kind of going through your own secret squirrel network and trying to find people. And, gosh, who really knows this thing? And it, that's, that can be really hard to do. So, uh, And the community is uplifting. Uh, at least, I, you know, that's how it comes to me, right? I mean, even listening, and again, a bunch of these folks, I already know them. And even still listening, I was like, wow, that was great. That was really, to your point, Mark, that was really inspiring. Or I didn't know, you know, this person was really deep in that area. So... It just gives you a way to connect with others without having a barrier in a safe way, right? And um, right now we need to accelerate everybody's learning. And I think the community does a great job of doing that. So I encourage people to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And and I think thus far, I don't know how many conversations we've had, but a lot of them have been on topics that people are very familiar with and very comfortable with. and. In addition to the the snippets that you mentioned, Dutch, uh, we're actually working with Chris on on something like that as well already. Oh, cool. um, we're also looking to bring together a panel of folks where not everybody has the answers, right? And we, we have a conversation right. that says, we don't know, 
what do we think? And I, I think those will be be interesting as well. Yeah. Um, so lots to explore in this community, and and of course, if it's just if it's just me and Marco, that that community is not going to be very strong. So we need the rest of <laughs> the rest of you guys and gals to uh, to participate and contribute and and drive these conversations. So for everybody listening, uh, thank you for joining us for this one. Uh, there'll be links to, I don't know why Marco's picture just went, but there'll be links to, uh, <laughs> to uh, Dutch's social profile and other resources that uh, maybe link to the book, perhaps other resources that Dutch thinks are uh, valuable for, for folks to read and listen. And uh, I think uh, that's it. There's plenty more for, with, by the CISO for all of us as security leaders. Um, and so thanks everybody for joining us for this crucial conversations. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crucial Conversations podcast with the Blue Lava community. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.